It's Thursday again, tell everybody to lock in Grab some popcorn, a drink, and go and throw your AirPods in It's a one-hour show, constantly speaking facts Bulletproof stats are always shooting from Matt And when it comes to Kyle, you getting numbers and style Jake is gonna educate you, he has that knowledge on fire Player, step your game up, don't be sluggish or lazy Or Jimmy J might hit you with a shaky baby Catch him on YouTube or any podcast platform Breaking all the news down like Shaq does the backboards No hot takes, this is where the hottest debate's at Now kick your feet up, cause it's time for Straight Facts What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains, brought to you by the Up On Game Network. It's your boy, Jimmy J. I'm looking at my guys, Kyle Sirik and Stabmat Robinson, through a computer screen today. We at the we at the home studios today. That's okay. Just it's just a general reminder out there to everyone that COVID is still in the air. This this thing is still around a little bit, so take your precautions. But you know, nonetheless, I'm still happy to see my guys, Kyle Sirik, Stabat Robinson. How are you guys doing today, man? Kyle was talking about the vibes were up right before we recorded. The vibes are up, dude. I was feeling good today. <laughs> Came on. Wanted yeah. to record at five. James said six. I was like, ah, oh, that's no problem either. Let's do it. So now, yeah. I, now I see why you wanted to record at five. You was just ready to get the game started. I'm not on mind that, man. You was ready my to the are playing tonight, man. The Hornets are playing tonight. I my hear boys, you too. My, my boys Liverpool through to the Champions League semifinals, and after Villarreal upset Bayern. It's almost like a free, I don't want to say, but almost like a free pass to the final. Don't, don't say it. Don't nope, say that. Nope, right? They just nope. took down somebody else. Don't say that. Don't say that. Kyle, I'm going to do my best to keep just, this I, in I'll, I'll give one stat about yeah. that leg. Uh, Villarreal had two shots on goal the entire over the two-game leg, and they scored two goals. That's, That's good shot. and bad. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure. Where, where does that leave you? Iron had 12, and they got one goal. Wow. Yeah, okay. There's there's the context. But Kyle, I'm gonna do my best. Keep this episode in an hour so we out by seven so you know you're not missing any of any of the hordes to the playing I think, game, right? I think it's a seven thirty start. Seven thirty so, start. I think we'll be all right. We'll we be all stretch right. a little bit. All right. Before we get into what we actually, you know, we actually have slated to talk about this podcast. I actually want to want a rough take, a raw take from you guys because it's been a hot debate today. Everyone saw last night the Minnesota Timberwolves defeat, you know, the Clippers in the first playing game to secure the seventh seed in the Western Conference, get themselves to the playoffs. And while everybody is happy for the Timberwolves, nobody is happier than the Timberwolves themselves. You saw how they celebrated, how much they celebrated. I mean, my man Pat Bev was crying. I mean, c- come on now. So I just want to ask you all real quick, Did w- was the Timberwolves celebration too much? I mean, standing on the scores table, throwing a jersey in the crowd, getting on Instagram Live, was that too much for really just securing a spot in the playoffs? No. I, yeah, I was going to the same thing, Matt. I don't think it was. The are Timberwolves have made the playoffs. This is only the second time they've made the playoffs since 2004. Right. Understood. Think of all the stuff that Carl Anthony Towns has been through over the past couple of years. True. And in other sports, like baseball teams have like champagne celebrations when they clinch a wild card spot. Like it's champagne it, when they quit when they clinch a, a wild card spot. They 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 have champagne in the dugout. In the, in the I'm pretty sure I've seen that. I'm no, baseball sure. definitely does that, but that that's more of like a ritual thing just in baseball. Every team before it's done it probably has passed along. I, I think, think a pennant, maybe. I got to see. I got to see who clinches the wall. I think that um, to a lot of these guys, this means a lot, Matt Manchu, especially Cat, um, especially Pat Beverly, who seems to be a guy that's been in the focus, who just, mm. all right, well, I'm in the playoffs. I did it. Um, 
But I think this is also the mentality that the Timberwolves need to have if they want any playoff success. They've been taking on this bad, bad guys, bad team energy, and they've been winning games down the second half of the season. So, I mean, if they're, they want to celebrate, they want to talk their crap on Instagram Live, maybe it's not, you know, to the sports, I guess, older generation. Maybe it's not the coolest thing. Maybe it's not the right thing to do. But I think if the Timberwolves want any success, they have to have this mentality. It's in the spirit of the moment. It's after a basketball game. If this would have happened, you know, two hours later, we wouldn't have called him with this energy. But there's cameras everywhere now, and these guys were excited. So I got no problem with it. I mean, look, I get emotions are high. It's an emotional win. It was a, a back and forth win that they had to really fight and claw out the way to the end. They did it without their best player pretty much the entire game. So you give them a lot of credit for that. Those guys that are celebrating so much carried so much of the weight. I hear that. Um, and I don't have a problem with them celebrating. I don't. Like the, the Nets celebrated the the Nets, you know, Kyrie talked this stuff. Kyrie got on Instagram, got on social media, was was talking. I hear that. It's the extent to which they celebrated. Like it really did seem like Minnesota won the finals last night. And and, and that's my only problem. D'Lo had the only D'Lo was the only player I saw had the right attitude in my opinion. He did his celebration, but he got on Twitter and said, "Job's not done." That's mm-hmm. the mentality that I wish that I saw from most of them. Their, their mentality, that celebration ju- suggested that the goal accomplished, job complete. We were just content just getting in. And for a team, a, a, a young and hungry team, I hope that you're not content just getting in. There's a higher ceiling than just getting into the playoffs. Like, take the time to understand that you made a great accomplishment, but then afterwards realize we got to go to practice tomorrow to gear up for a seven-game series with the number two seed in the conference. Like this, this is not kumbaya. We can go get our, our butts kicked for four straight games and now no one feels good. Like, yeah. are you, you're really okay with them just like being so happy just being there? Yeah. And, I, well, and Pat, Pat was crying. He was in the playoffs two years ago. He's crying like he'd never been there. Right. But but you're talking about like that mentality. They got that today. They know they got a seven game series. They know it's time really? to go. This is the biggest game of the season. They were down four going into the fourth quarter, dominated the fourth quarter. And now they're in the playoffs. Do they I have that mentality? Do they have that mentality? Because I saw Pat Bev yeah. today on NBA t- on NBA today talking about why he was justified in a Versace robe unbuttoned all the way down. Like that, they don't look like they got the, the different. Mentality. They look like they're still basking in the moment, man. Pat Bev had a shot to be on ESPN with his only his face in focus. <laughs> he took that opportunity when Pat Bev was once- on the court. Nothing's going to change. We know how this That's man feels. But not once did Pat Bev say, hey, job's not done. Hey, you know, we still got work to do. Hey, there's no... he basket in a moment. He basket in a moment like he don't got to play anymore. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see how they look next week. We'll, no, we, yes, we, we will. We need to enjoy good moments when they happen instead of just this mentality of nothing matters unless you win the title. Nothing matters. No. no you can have fun and win. 1,000%, Matt. I'm just telling you. had a bunch of fun. And you celebrated like crazy doesn't mean they're not going to be focused against the Grizzlies. There's there, there's there's such thing as, as as celebrating too much. Treating your first downs like touchdowns. Like there's there's oh there's something to be said for that. Just leave room for a bigger celebration. Because what happens if they win a first? I don't want to know how to celebrate if they win the series. I don't <laughs> want to. I don't want to know what they do. Leave room for a bigger celebration. You poured your heart out in that celebration, and then you got to wake up the next day and be like, damn, we still got practice though. Like. You gotta leave room. Leave room yourself. We we're gonna hey, table this because hey. it sounds it sounds like we can have a bigger discussion about this. I like this. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll bring this back around at some point. But we do got to get into our episode, and that's a good segue because we're talking about these upcoming NBA playoffs for this entire episode. It's gonna be an NBA playoffs edition, and I like that. So we talked about how the Minnesota Timberwolves won that game without their most important player. 
but for a majority of these playoffs, there are going to be certain players for these teams that are the most important going in. So each of us are coming with one. Kyle, I'll start with you. Who do you think is the most important player going into these years' playoffs? Yeah, to me, um, I, I really had, actually had a tough time with this, nailing down one. But then when it hit me that it was this guy, I was like, yeah, it's definitely this guy. And that's Devin Booker. Okay, I mean, talk to me. We're looking at this Phoenix Suns now. To me, it's championship or bust. They lost in the finals last year. They're arguably the best team in the league this year. And it's inarguable that the Western Conference is weaker than the Eastern Conference, right? They should run through this. I mean, NBA playoffs stuff, but they should run through this and they should overcome the obstacles they had last year. And for me, it's Devin Booker um, specifically because he can't have bad games when it counts this year. Mm-hmm. We look at the last two series last season, the Western Conference Finals against the Clippers, NBA Finals against the Bucks. He shot 42% and 27% from three. Shaky and, baby. And in the four finals losses, he shot 14% from three. On like almost five and a half attempts per game. It's not just like mm-hmm. putting up a couple. Devin Booker is a scorer that is his value to an NBA championship team. And I mean, you can argue he plays some defense, but in his career, he's a 114 defensive rating and the career average over that spans 109. Like he's not on this team to be an all around player. On an mm-hmm. NBA championship team, his value is as a scorer. And I'm going to need him to get 30 points per game in the playoffs this year to make that happen. So I I can't have bad games. If you look at those last two series specifically, it wasn't every other game he had a bad game, but he had a bit too many for a team that wants to win the finals. And this year, probably they have a better team and a better shot to win the finals than they did last year. So it needs to be him for me. Yeah, they sustained what everyone thought might have been might have been a flash in the pan last year and came out and was the best team in the NBA again when everyone was kind of questioning, are the Suns going to repeat the kind of dominance they did last year? Um, but from this standpoint, I think the Suns, you know, we learned a lot. And we thought Chris Paul could be the best player on our team and take us to a championship run. Devin Booker sprinkle in his 35-point, you know, outputs here and there, but Chris Paul would pace us. And I think we learned that Devin Booker needs to be the one to pace us, at least offensively. Like, Devin mm-hmm. Booker should always be leading us offensively. He should always be the focal point. He should always be taking over games if, if the opportunity presents itself. And I think last year he took a lot of his lumps. He took a lot of, you know, a lot of learning lessons. It was it was the first playoffs that he's been in, and man's, you know, made it all the way to the finals. So we give him some pass. But now that we're in year two of it, now that we're doing it again, and you make all the right points, Kyle, in a weaker Western Conference, I, I don't think he has the ability – to be shaky this time. I need you one through four each game or each. Series. I actually disagree. I think uh, Chris Paul is the big important player on the Suns because when I think of why they lost the finals last year, I think of Chris Paul in game four. You have a chance to go up 3 1 going back home to Phoenix, and Chris Paul has the worst game of the playoffs for him. He has 10 points on 5 of 13 shooting, has five turnovers, only seven assists. Well, Booker put up 42 on 17 of 28 shooting and a six-point loss. I just think, I when I think of why the Suns lost, I think it's because Chris Paul kind of ran out of steam. And then Booker had a poor game six shooting. I was going to say, what about, what about games five and game right. six? 20 and 10 games from Chris Paul, if I remember, right? Yeah, I know, but game four, you have a chance to, you have the shot to just end the series by going up 3-1 with game five and seven at home. And Chris Paul played poorly in the most important game of his life. I hear yeah. that. But at the same time, we can look at game three and Devin Booker had 10 points in the finals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's like Chris Paul, you know what you're going to get from him. He's He's been in the league forever. 
He can have big games. He's not going to have too many bad games, but he's not going to have games where he goes 39 and 10, right? He's going to be a steady point guard that controls that offense, is a really smart player on the court. And it's the other guys that are going to elevate this team even further. Chris Paul brings them to this level, but at NBA championship level, I think Chris Paul sets the groundwork for that, but it's going to be the Devin Bookers. It's going to be the DeAndre Ayton's taking a next step. And I think Devin's probably the one in the focal point for me of that group. Yeah, I got to sway towards Devin Booker because just being more important because Chris Paul cannot show up on the stat sheet and still impact the game positively for the Suns. Like, yes, those games weren't a great performance, but the game gets even more out of hand if Chris Paul's not on the floor, just controlling the pace, not turning the ball over, still being there defensively and getting guys in the right spot. And Devin making Booker, the right plays consistently. On, consistently yeah. You know what I mean? Devin Booker, if he doesn't show up on the stat sheet, it doesn't she's not in the game like that if he's not scoring like Kyle said I don't think he's impacting the game as much as Chris Paul even like DeAndre Ayton or Mikel Bridges can do if they're not scoring if Devin Booker is not scoring I don't think he's a big asset to the Suns because he doesn't he doesn't pull weight crazy anywhere else so I would look you Matt you know no one uh, more than me would love to say Chris Paul is the most important player in these playoffs and I said that last year but I just gotta I gotta understand that the name of the game is put the ball in the bucket and the best person on my team putting the ball in the bucket is Devin Booker. He's at his hottest is one of the best in the league. And if I can, if he could take over games, is not too many people on the Suns got takeover potential. It's Devin Booker and sometimes Chris Paul. And if yeah. Chris Paul's got to do it majority of the time, you're right. He's going to run out of steam, 35 years old. But Devin Booker can do it consistently. I can ask for 30. I didn't do it last year as his first run. I'm doing it this year. Like I, I'm calling on Devin Booker to average that 30 in the playoffs if we want to make another finals run and win a championship this time, it's actually what I'm calling for, for Devin Booker. So hundred percent. I, I think 30 I mean? is the number too. last year. 26 was where he finished the whole playoffs at with mm-hmm. the first two series. Um, he was much higher scoring on average than the last two. So really bringing it down in the bigger moments, um, 30, a game to me, I think gets it done this year, at least makes the finals again. Yeah. We, it's, we, we got to see it. We got to see it. All right. Matt, who's your most important player in this year's playoffs? I got one and an honorable mention. Give me the uh, honorable mention first. Uh, my honorable mention is Steph Curry. Steph That's Curry is having the worst shooting year of his career. Tough. He's coming back and we're coming back from an injury and we don't know how good he'll be coming back. But everybody knows that if he just plays like he did last season – Everyone in the on the Suns is pooping their pants and stuff because <laughs> you there's no defense for when Curry's on, yeah. and it's it just comes down to whether the Warriors have enough time to gel, like we know they can gel because mm-hmm. Clay has been very up and down since he's come back from the Achilles. Understandably, Curry's had a poor shooting year, um, and then he got hurt. And I just I said this a, like a month ago, probably that if the Warriors are in form, no one can beat them. Hmm. And we've seen it. We've they seen haven't, it. They times. haven't really been in form for. They've been in form for like a game or two, but nothing for an extended stretch of time. Mm-hmm. And if they are in form, I think lights out for the Western Conference, including Phoenix. Okay, good so honorable I, mention. Very yeah. good honorable mention. And but my answer is James Harden. It has to be. One of y'all had to say James Harden. So if, if Kyle didn't say James Harden, you had to, right? The Sixers, you could re- make a really good argument um, that the playoffs break pretty well for them because 
Boston. It's not even an argument. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, no you could not any of them boys. No, because we could lose the uh, Toronto centrally. That's, that's, that's you, Kyle, you could. Kyle, you no, could. I get it, but Kyle, you, you could. could lose to the Nets, who are but, a lower but, seed. But if I mean, you, if you lose to Toronto, then you. My thing is, if you lose to Toronto, then you had no shot at winning the title anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's, I agree. That's, that's true. So, but to your but to your point, right? You duck the combination of yeah, Boston, we, we Brooklyn until the, at least the conference finals. Finals, yeah, we, yeah. We will only have to be if we make the finals. We'll only have to beat one of Boston, Milwaukee, Brooklyn. We won't have we'll to beat three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially since Brooklyn won their first playing game, because otherwise they could be the eight. Um, and Harden, he started off so well with the Sixers. First three games, it was living. It was a dream. It was just like, <laughs> oh my god, this is utopian. Yeah. And Sixers fans, we got a little carried away. And Harden, since then, has been poor. Is a light way to say it. Shooting. He's been horrible at shooting the basketball. You're shooting just 36% from the field and 29% from three. And if you're an optimist, it's, oh, he's just kind of laying off until the playoffs and then he's going to go, then he's going to really kind of push for that moment. But I just don't think, I'm worried that his hamstring injury has such long-lasting effects that he'll never be the same again. Because if you actually look at last year's playoffs, I know he was playing with the injury. But he lit up Boston in the playoffs last year. He was uh, Brooklyn's best player in the series, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He 27, 7, and 10 and a half on 76% true shooting. And then he pulled his hamstring. And then I don't think you can really knock his stats against the Nets in the next round because he was playing on one leg. Because like he was like 3 of 17 in Game 7. But what can you expect playing overtime 40... 40 plus minutes on a, on a bum hamstring. Minutes. No, he played all the minutes, 53 minutes on a bum hamstring. On a bum hamstring, so. right. I mean, I, I hear you. I do want to, I want to pull the reins a little bit on being afraid he'll never be the same again. I think, you know, give him, give him a, a nice full off season, give him a, a, an adequate rehab. I think James Harden will be fine. But he is aging. And, he's like 32. He's going to be 32. Right, right. No, it's, it's not, not a light injury, but he's, he, he's not never going to be the same again. It's a, a hamstring injury. We can, we can get through it. We can work this out. Um, I do think it, it might have some kind of effect on maybe the way, like his play style. Because he just doesn't seem to be in score first mode right now, and he wasn't in score first mode majority of the time in Brooklyn. That's why he wanted to go there. That's why they brought him there to be facilitator first, and you could score second when the opportunities present itself. And then thirty points a game, James Harden goes down to twenty four, twenty five points a game, James Harden with ten assists and six and seven rebounds because he's doing more. And he and I think what excited James Harden so much about playing with Joel Embiid is I can still be facilitator first, but there's no one on the perimeter with me. So when it's my time to take over the perimeter, I don't have to share it with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Joel Embiid is down there in his own space. But I just don't think Harden has gotten out of that facilitate first, pass first mentality. And he's trying to get guys like Tyrese Maxey in their spot and Tobias Harris in their spot, maybe knowing that I'm going to need these guys in the playoffs. So let's let's get them acclimated now. Let's get them their shots now. Um, But I think it's, it's just a a way he's approaching the game right now. And I, I do think that switch can flip. I'm just wondering if it will and and when it will. Uh, see, I think James Harden's got us all fooled here. To, like personally, <laughs> yeah. 
Like, I agree with Matt. He's one of the most important players in these playoffs. He was one of the guys yeah. I was thinking of, too, for the reason that all the criticisms on him right now is on the team that went all in. And he's really been someone you can point at that needs to play better. Right. People love talking about Philly. People like hating on this team. Uh, the huge talk right now is the MVP talk. And you can look at James Harden um, on the team with the guy in the big conversation with a lot of eyes on this team. But I think James Harden's fooling everyone. Like, I, I think what we've seen since he's joined the Sixers is a guy that, you know, came in, put on the show for the first couple of games, and then wants to figure out how to play with this offense, wants to let Joe Wall go off, be the MVP, wants to do all that. He's only taken 13 shots a game. He mm-hmm. like that's not James Harden. James Harden is a 17 to 20 shots a game type guy. That's you. It's my. Point. That's like kind of my exactly, point. Like, but, that's, but that's you my can't point. tell me this man's not going to just turn it up and start being more aggressive in the playoffs. He knows how the playoffs work. He's mm-hmm. played almost 150 career playoff games now. Has made multiple conference finals. I think and an NBA finals. With yeah, and an NBA yeah, finals NBA actually finals. early in his yeah. career with the Thunder. I think he is going to turn it up, and now he's going to look to be the second scorer. I don't think he's going to defer a shot to anyone besides Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. Will he still do the driving kicks? Will he still make the correct passes? Yes. But he's not. when he dribbles up the court and Embiid's off the court, he's now the guy to score. He's not getting into the offense to get George Niang an open three. He's not doing all this. <laughs> I mean, what, what I, I actually think James Harden is going to shoot 16 shots a game at the minimum in the playoffs, and we're going to see a different type of really different type of offense from the Sixers than we've seen since he's joined. I can tell you exactly where those three shots should come from if they happen. Cause the amount of times that Harden gets a catch and shoot three opportunity and then immediately passes, it's like baffling to me. It's and the, I, it's the, it's the swing one. It's the, the trying to get the rhythm of flow of the offense. Like I, I, I see where he wants to, to do I it. I think but. he's was kind of doing a crap. If we're, if we're going with Kyle's theory, which I, I like 70% believe, um, it's he's doing a crash course on who he can trust when he needs to make those passes in the playoffs. Yeah. Right, like, right, right. When can I swing it to Niang? When can I swing it to Toby? When can I swing mm-hmm. it to Danny? When can I swing it to the Matisse? When can I swing it to Danny? Never. I'll answer that question <laughs> stop, right now. Stop. Y'all, y'all learned the hard way last year. That Danny I don't want to see Danny purpose. Green on the court for no, more Danny, than five Danny minutes. Danny Green stays healthy. We beat Atlanta. I'm just that, Thank you. I, I, I agree. I agree. Fair I enough. actually agree. I agree. Um, but no, it's, I, I think James Harden can flip the switch. He will. I also think he's got no choice. I also think, like, if you look yeah. the, the way the Sixers are, you know, constructed right now, and when he doesn't have his best night, like, I, I don't think the Sixers get far if Maxi has is, is averaging more points in the playoffs than James Harden. And through the latter part of, of James Harden with the Sixers, him and Maxi are about right there, neck and neck, with scoring outputs. Like, it's, it's he's not outpacing Maxi too much. <laughs> and you're right, Kyle, like, those – those scoring outputs have to go up, and you can't you can't be the reinforcement for Ben Simmons and still make Joel Embiid go for forty and twenty every playoff game and edge out a victory. Like you were brought in here to to Joel, you don't have to do that every night. If you if you do that two times a series, great, we'll take it. We'll probably blow the team out, but that's not on you to go for forty and 15, 35 and twenty on a game in and game out basis. Because I'm here, James Harden is here. If there's a nut you don't got it, I'm gonna put up 35. And it's not gonna be 10 assists and eight rebounds. It's gonna be 35 and maybe five assists, maybe four rebounds. Cause I'm in score first mode because I see you don't got it tonight. Like that's that's what I think he needs to do. And I, I just haven't seen that. The only times I've seen him willing to do that is against the Timberwolves and the Knicks and the Magic. Like that's cool. But I need to see you do it against the top teams. I haven't seen him do it against the top teams. 
Yeah. And that's just, that's where my worry lies a little bit in the theory to be of fair, him the purposely have, doing like the Good. easiest schedule since the All-Star break. games against top teams, but your point still stands. Definitely right. holds up. And but he I, sat he sat some big time games too. Like the, the couple of there's a couple the of games back to backs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So no, a couple I, of them I, teams. That, I agree with you. There's there's no shot that he can take 13 shots a game and the Sixers make a mm-hmm. deep playoff run. I mean, that would have to be off like Maxi being a 28 a game player, which he's not. Um, but I think Maxi can be very efficient. To your point, I think you're right. Harden should probably average more in these playoffs than Maxi. But don't underestimate Maxi's ability to go for 28 in a random playoff game once a series. Yeah, not, which, not could, at all. which could be great. But so, yeah, I mean, it, it, and even to that point, they might need that one game. Like they will. You're, oh, they you're going to get a run off those three guys. Yeah, yeah. you're going to yeah. get a Tyrese Maxi game. Well, at least once a series. If you hope to make a run, Tyrus Max yeah. is going to have a game at least once a series. And he's part of a big three. That, should, that shouldn't shock anyone. That shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be crazy to imagine if you're part of a big three. Um, but all right, I'll, I'll go. I'll round out this segment of most important. Mine is a guy who has been missing for a lot of the season, and it's literally had an effect to his team at all. And that's John Morant. Like John Morant with the Grizzlies, we know that the Grizzlies have had a crazy record without John Morant, twenty and five this season, right? Um, but in in the playoffs, to me, you just don't win without your best player. It's a, it's a seven game series. If your best player is not there or not showing up against other playoff teams, you're just you're just not going to get it done. And the last three games they didn't have Ja, they lost, and those all happened to be against playoff teams: the Nuggets, the Jazz, and the Celtics. Not in that order. But those three teams are the last three games that they lost without Ja against all good teams. It's just a little an example of microcosm of what they're going to have to go through. And having Ja on, obviously, you know, it makes the Grizzlies better. But I think it makes them just that much more of a versatile team. Like everyone, you know, loves the high flying, you know, the the crazy electrifying plays from Ja Morant, and he has that right. He's you know one of the best in fast break points in the league. I, I believe is fourth, but he leads the league. And points in the paint. And only a quarter of those points come in transition. So a lot of those points are coming in the half court when the game slows down, which is playoff basketball, right? And and the ability for your guard to get in the paint like that, create, and if he's not scoring, dish it out or at least just attract all that attention is going to help your team. And he's above guys like Giannis, Jokic, um, Anthony Davis, LeBron. Those are all the guys after him in points in the paint. Those aren't, you know... Those are those are half court. A lot of those are half court players, guys who make their living of driving in, and they're all big men. Like for, I think he's the last guard in like twenty five years or something like that to lead the NBA and points in the paint. So we just they're gonna need John Morant. This whole group is inexperienced when it comes to the playoffs, especially being this high of a seed. They're a two seed. No one's no one in their core has been in this situation yet. So Jaw's the only one to me who has that takeover ability with the Grizzlies. The two highest scoring outputs this year. For them, 52 and 46, no one has above 40. Dylan Brooks is the only other one with 37 this year. No one's got that takeover ability. No one's got that give me the ball and watch me work on the Grizzlies other than John Morant. And in the playoffs, you can be as as great of a team and great chemistry as you want to. At some point, it's going to slow down. The ball's going to need to go in your best player's hands. He's going to have to make plays. So I think if the Grizzlies want to, I'm not show sure everyone that they were just the, the sexy team in the regular season, that they actually are here to be contenders. Jaws got to be a, available on the court, and he's he's going to have to, you know, be upper echelon, be that all-star starter, that, you know, all-NBA type player that everyone's billing him to be second overall pick. He's just got to be there for the Grizzlies. 100%. And not only does John Morant make them a better team and more versatile team, like you said, 
John Morant makes them a dangerous team in these mm-hmm. NBA playoffs, something that is not there when he's not there. They're not a dangerous team in the playoffs without him. Obviously, the best player, but looking, I agree with you. He's very important because I'm looking at their draw. They're going to get the T-Wolves in the first round. They get past mm-hmm. that. They have to play the Warriors most likely. And there is no shot that, and I know they're playing well, like uh, blah, blah, blah. Like Grizzlies are playing well. They have good players. Yeah, they have good players. You're not beating the Warriors in the second round if John Morant doesn't take over. And I'd be very interested to see that series. That's going to be a coming out party for Ja if they're able to beat the Warriors. If this season was a coming out party, let him cap it off with that series. I mean, it's going to be nuts. Mm -hmm. To me, this season for Ja is let's learn. It's like, this is the first time we've really gotten to – I know he made the playoffs last year, but this is the first time he's come in with expectations. They're the second-best record in the NBA. They should be the second favorites to win the title just based on that. Um, and this is the first time we'll see him in these high-pressure, high-intensity games mm-hmm. where he's expected to win. And that's, what's in, that's why he's the most important player on the Grizzlies because you can't win in the playoffs – without someone who can be that showtime performer. And he, as much as they succeeded him in the regular season, the playoffs are a completely different animal. And this postseason, we're going to learn more about John Morant than we have throughout his entire NBA career up to this point. And to that point, there's not a better, like you wouldn't talk about, we had a little conversation about, uh, you know, people where you get drafted is a big thing, right? There hasn't been a better spot to learn than the Memphis Grizzlies for John Morant. He no. goes into a system that has no superstars, uh, good role players who none of them are shoot first guys, and you're a point guard, right? A number two point guard who they want to have the ball with role players around him that don't really need the shoot, right? Not not a guy that's going to take the ball and ISO. Like there has not been a better situation, and now they're good. I mean, this, mm-hmm. I think this has launched the trajectory of his career. Just crazy, just being in this fit. And no, no better culture to be honest. Like, it's like I'm, it almost makes you think that he was born in Memphis. Like the way, <laughs> and I know South Carolina's not too too far, but I mean, they they it's the same exact culture that he's there. Um, I, and I don't want to say throw all the twenty and five stats out the window without John the regular season, but like they don't hold a lot of weight to me. Like the the, the playoffs is just completely different. One, you got to play a team for a week straight. <clears throat> You don't just get a team one time or maybe two times in a week. Um, there's a, a team gets uh, an entire week to game plan on you on a game to game basis. So if, if your best player isn't there and you get beat one time, they, they get you for a game like, ah, oh, they got us. But they got to go and do that against the same team again. And then they got to go do that again. And then they got to go and do that again if they want to move on. And I just, you can't, that's not sustainable. Like you might get me one time because I haven't been preparing for you. Without your best player, other guys step up. Right, but you're not going to beat me without your best player and, four times in a seven game series. It's not going to happen. And you're, yeah, I don't completely throw it away because, but what that tells me is that oh, the team around him is good, and right, and, right. right they, they have the foundation to make the run with that John Morant guy in place. He's going to be in a position where he's allowed to do so because Dylan Bain or Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson, same way. Steven Adams is exactly what you need out of a center. Someone that's going to bang, be tough defensively, and pull down rebounds. I mean, the team around him is very good, and that's what that 20-5 and five tells me, that it's not just, oh, John Morant needs to take over um, like like Trey Young needed to going into the playoffs last year. And I think we learned last year the Hawks were a better team than we thought. Well, we know the Memphis around him is a good team. So I think that's what it kind of sets the foundation for with Ja. That's mm-hmm. 
And and we know the Western Conference traditionally has been a conference of point guards. And there's some that, you know, some electrifying point guards are not going to see in these playoffs like a Damian Lillard or a Russell Westbrook. But there's still point guard matchups all over the place. Even in, in his path, he's got to go through D'Lo first. Then he's got to go through Steph Curry. Then he's got to go through Chris Paul if he wants to make a deep run. Most likely. That's how it, that's how it plays yeah. out. And it, if Jai, look... Take Ja out that role, even if he's on the floor. Take his impact off that if he's not having a good game. And all three, he could lose all three of those point guard matchups. D'Lo, maybe not. But you, you, if you're not productive, you definitely lose the point guard matchup to Steph Curry and Chris Paul, who have been known to treat younger point guards in the playoffs. Steph Curry's done it. Chris Paul made a living treating Damian Lillard in the playoffs, just just schooling them, learning how. This is the playoff strong buck. Like this, this how you do it now. So I think there's just. There's a lot of pressure. I say this is most important because you guys both make the points of now he's expected to win. You are the number two overall pick. You are getting most improved talks, which, by the way, if he gets it, I'll be a little upset. But you're getting most improved player talks as number two overall pick, rookie of the year. And now all that is actualized. It's realized. So you got to you got to show up at the limelight. It's just we, we gonna people going to remember this about Ja. Yeah. So I, I think there's pressure in the first round. There's no excuse to lose in the first round for them. If they drop a second round series to the Warriors and they play well, I, I think that that's completely fun. To be honest, and, I do want to. They play well. They got to play real well though, and I do want to go like six or seven. It's got to go six at least. Yeah, yeah. I do yeah. want to ask the question though. Good. What are we expecting of John Morant in these playoffs? Because we can talk about how you know important he is. Undoubtedly, is mm-hmm. important. What are we expecting out of him right now? Because I think this is. One thing NBA players are really excited to see in the playoffs this series. Oh, there remember when he remember when he used to do that a little bit? Yeah. Remember when he used to do the chopper. <laughs> That's what I'm expecting. High motor, vroom vroom. Don't don't get in the playoffs and think you gotta take it off the gas pedal. You gotta be a little bit more technical. You gotta be a little bit more, you know, um strategic in your movements in your half court. But don't take the foot off the gas pedal job. Don't think that you gotta throttle it down. You better get in there, run past everyone, dunk over everyone, cross everyone like you're doing in the regular season. That's what I'm expecting from Ja. And I think if he has that mentality, all the stats that we're looking for, the the certain amount of points, certain amount of whatever, I think that comes with it. But I think the mentality is what I'm looking for. Be the dog still. You still gotta be a dog. He needs to go up against Steph Curry and think I'm better than you. Well, he can't be delusional now. He no, but in his mind, he's got to think that. Patrick Beverly yeah. thinks that every single game. <laughs> I feel you. No, no, because he, he's an ascendant star, and he's got to think, I can beat this guy. We're better than them, and I'm better than him, so we're going to win. And if he really does think and believe that, then he's going to turn into an absolute superstar very soon. Yeah, me and Matt are kind of on the same lane, right? Like, he's got to... It's here. Like, it's, it's got to start here. What are you expecting out of Ja? I, I think they make the Western Conference Finals. I think they beat the Warriors in the second round. I'm expecting the same thing. There's certain dudes in this league that are just dogs. I Definitely. mean, there's like yeah. like guys that you know you can expect are going to turn it on. Can he have a bad game? Sure. But is he going to give 100% in that game? Undoubtedly. And he's turning into a point guard that's starting to make smart plays, right? Things that are a normal mm-hmm. NBA learning curve. He's accelerated in this Memphis system because he's had so much opportunities. And I think this is his year. We saw the uh, regular season from it. I'm expecting that to roll right into the postseason. And I think they will beat the Warriors in the second round. I like it. I like it. High prediction. Speaking of rolling in to the playoffs or rolling into next round, let's roll in to the next segment. We're going to stay with the NBA playoffs. We're going to bring back a little interactive segment. We love this one. Little straight facts. Hold them. 
hold the, or hold the facts or fold the facts. So I'm going to tell you some trends that have been with some teams going into this year's playoffs and simply tell me, are you going to hold these stats? This trend is going to continue. Or are you going to fold these stats? They're not going to continue. They're going to flip on their head. The first one uh, we go right to, it's an overall kind of look on this thing. Since 2010, the NBA playoffs, three seeds are 21 and three against six seeds in the first round. And then this year's three, six matchups are good ones. First one in the East is the Bucks versus the Bulls. And in the West, the Warriors versus the Nuggets. So hold the stats or fold the stats, Kyle. Is that going to continue? Are the three seeds still going to come out on top? Because both of them got a tough matchup going in. Yeah, it, it's 100% going to continue in the East. I'll tell you that. The Bucks aren't dropping a first-round matchup. Against the, Bulls. the Bucks the Bulls. aren't dropping a game. <laughs> we'll see. Probably we'll not. see. Probably they not. swept Probably only not. only sweep of the playoffs last year was the yeah. Bucks over the Heat. Um, now, Warriors-Nuggets, different story. In, in the West, I think it can get interesting. Um, what I expect out of the Warriors, though, is back to business. I think what Matt said earlier in the show, they're going to need the gel together. Yeah, they'll feel that out in this series. I don't think they drop the series to the Nuggets. At most, they'll drop two games. I'm probably expecting a 4-1. Denver takes a game off them in Denver, but uh, I think this holds, and that's a crazy stat that 21-3 and since 2010, and I was really looking it up. Um, Two of those were before 2015, so if you just go back to 2015, it's like 15-1. and Yeah, one of them. One of of them has happened. I guess it'd be... 13 and one, but yeah, it's nuts. A three, six matchup isn't a, a, a crazy upset to me. In recent years, we've seen a lot of three, six matchups get really tight. Y'all have had y'all had back-to-back years of three, six matchups with the heat in the nets, right? That got that were really, we really heated. Five. We won no. in five. Both won yeah, the not the nets one, not the nets one. Not the nets, not no, the we nets beat one. the nets in five. No, I'm saying the Nets. He's talking about not the Nets. Nets one was it? To James's point, that the Nets. Uh, yeah, um, I think I'm just thinking, remembering the game. Jared Dudley got everyone kicked out, and that's just that's just. We, we also oh, got. Way um, we also got swept in the three six to the Celtics in the bubble. So, <laughs> yeah, we don't talk one, about that year. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hold these stats too. Um, I kind of agree with Kyle and, and you too, Matt. I don't really see the Bucks struggling that much against the Bulls. The Bulls. Haven't they've been on a tailspin and haven't really picked it up before the playoffs? I'm not I'm not really seeing much upside from them right now. And in the West, I'll make a little you know a little sweeping declaration. I think the Warriors handle the Nuggets, and if Jokic gets MVP, it's going to be a real real glaring moment that right after he gets MVP, he don't make it out the first round and it's it's a has and struggles against the Warriors. So no, the Nuggets we'll got swept last that. year, Kyle. The Nuggets got swept by Phoenix. There are two sweeps. In the second round, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, overall, but in the playoffs, mm. yeah. Okay. So I was just thinking, Jokic MVP gets goes out embarrassingly again. That would be funny. All right. All right. We're going to move to the I next one. Like this... I feel bad saying it. I just hate everything <laughs> yeah. about the NBA media about him. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, but next one, we'll move on to Carl Anthony Towns. We saw him. Last night, um, in the Warriors or in the in the Timberwolves play on, playing game, I should say. So, Cat this year averaged 15 points, 13 rebounds, two assists on 46 percent from the field. And his only true playoff series in 2018 versus Houston, and then and last night in the playoff game, fouled out in 24 minutes played, 11 points, five rebounds, three assists. His season averages this year: 24 points, nine rebounds, three assists on 52 percent from the field. So, I guess I'll ask this one: which which Cat trends are you holding? Are you going to hold the stats of his great playoff series and his, his great performances? Are you holding the stats of him struggling, like struggling in the playoff series against Houston, struggling in the playing game last night? Well, that's the he didn't have any great playoff series. That's the only playoff series Cat's ever been in. Right. Was that Houston one? Um, 
You can't hold it. I mean, from four years ago, I, I think what you can probably expect to see from Ket is a guy that's probably going to come in and try to shoulder the offense of this team. Uh, they've they have Memphis. I think that's one of the more favorable draws a seven seed could get. Even though I think Memphis is going to make a run, and I think it's going to be off the shoulders of Cat. Right? I, I think Delo's going to get his shots up. Edwards is going to get his shots up. But I'm going to hold the stats on the Cat that gives me 25 and 10, which he's been doing all season. Yeah, I'm folding these stats. A one-off game where he fouls out, that doesn't shake how good he's been for the rest of the season. And that series four years ago was against a Houston team that almost beat the greatest assembled team of all time. So, like, I can't really hold that against him. Young players, first playoff series four years ago. Mm -hmm. He's going to show up to play against Memphis. Uh, I'm not holding the 2018 series against him for the exact same reason, Matt. I am holding the struggles in the playoffs, though. That that's the stats I'm going to go with. I saw a lot that was that was uncomfortable, unsettling about Cat. He just didn't understand situational basketball last night, like really at all. He got himself in foul trouble and didn't know how to stay out of the mix. Didn't know how to stay out of bad situations that could pick up a foul. Going for offensive rebounds that you're not going to get, hitting someone in the back of the head, that's a foul. You know, coming back in the game and immediately lowering your shoulder and pile driving through two people to pick up an immediate foul again, like that's bad situational basketball. And I get that, you know, the intensity and, and the energy of the moment was real big last night in the playing game. But to see that from the best player to never be able to rein it in, like that that just wasn't good to see. And I get that he's got a little bit to kind of rein that in before we go to the next series. But I think that's not something that gets fixed overnight. I think Cat goes into the next series wanting to just do it all as soon as he gets on the court again, maybe to try to make up for that playing game. And he might get himself into trouble trying to do it if he has that same mentality. That's I, all I, I think the opposite. Night. I think he's going to learn from his mistakes he had we'll last see. night. It's, I mean, it's, it's like, one oh, of two uh, options, yeah. right? It's one yeah, of two. Either he, he learns or he doesn't. So he's got, we got one. The way I look at it is like that's a one game thing. Right. Once you can settle into a playoff series. Um, and this is a guy who's now in his sixth year, I believe, in the NBA. Mm -hmm. He's going to realize it's just another basketball game. Cat doesn't have foul issues. He he hasn't had bad games this season. I mean, like he's going to set a win, realize this is a basketball series. He's going to strap in, and it's going to be business as usual for Carl Anthony Towns. Also, there's I, a I, lot I, less I weird because there's a lot less pressure on him in the first couple of games against Memphis because if they go down 0-2, it's not going to act like anyone's going to be like, how oh, the heck did that happen? But if they yeah. if they miss the playoffs from – Having that good of a season, they lost the first this playing game and the next playing game out of so like now right. he the pressure for him game one is going to be way less than it was for him last mm -hmm. night. And Kyle, I guess I'm not pointing to anything specific because you're right he he hasn't doesn't have foul issues doesn't have you know issues of, of things like that. But understanding situational basketball, that wasn't the first time you've seen Cat struggle with that, and it just gets that much more technical in the play. Every possession is a new situation that you have to analyze and try to make the right play. You can't just get the ball from the from the free throw line, put your head down, and try to go to the rim every time. It just doesn't work in the playoffs like that. So I just want to see something different. And I hope I'm wrong. Hope hope I'm I'm holding the wrong stats because I root for Cat. But I just saw a trend last night that I, I think is going to continue. Um, we're going to move on to another trend that may or may not continue. That's the Golden State Warriors big three this year. And they've only shared the court for 11 total minutes. And in those minutes, the Warriors had an offensive and defensive ratings of 92.3 and 85.2 respectively. So when they get on the court together, they the Warriors of old. Holding the stats or folding the stats? 
Matt, I'll start with you this time, that the Warriors' big three can get on the court and do what they do. I'm going to fold the stats. I think Clay oh. needs a little more time to reacclimate himself post-injury. We don't know what Curry is going to be like. We're not going to see them at their full Warriors' big three this playoffs, I don't think, unless they make like a long run and everyone gets healthy. I just, I don't think we can, we're going to be seeing them at their peak until next season. Tough Kyle holding or folding. I like what Matt said at the end of that. He don't think he doesn't think we'll see him at their peak until next season. And so for that reason, I'm going to fold the sets to where they're not going to be the big three of old. I mean, I mean, it's tough. Clay Thompson. And this is really why I think the peak is next year. Clay Thompson came back the second half of this season off of not playing basketball for almost two full years. Steph mm-hmm. Curry's now hurt. He'll be coming back. Draymond Green had a stint where he missed basically three months of playing basketball this season. And this has all been in 2022. Clay comes back. Draymond gets hurt. Steph gets hurt. So, I, I mean, there's too much in the way right now to say with confidence that this team is going to be the team of old. Now, can Steph Curry be the Steph Curry of old? Yes. Can everything around him get back to that level to a point where I think they can make an NBA championship run? I think we're not quite there yet. But when we talk about this team next year, I fully expect myself to be back all in Warriors. I can't believe I'm saying this. Matt, you you are going to be just as shocked as me. You should be just as shocked as me to hear me to hear me say this. I'm holding them. I'm holding those stats. Like, like I think so much of Steph Clay and Draymond is feel, and they haven't had a lot of that. But give them a quarter. Give them a half. Heck, give them a game. Give them just a little bit of time. To, to get back with each other. And I really do think it's like riding a bike. Like those three just know how to play basketball at a very efficient level with each other. And it elevates everybody when they do that. Like now all of a sudden, Sean Livingston is a guy you can't stop. Now all of a sudden, Harrison Barnes is a guy you can't stop. And Andre Goodall, like they lift everybody up around them when they start playing like that. And the Steph Curry injury, while it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, uh, favorable for them, a little blessing in disguise that it let Clay come back and like, now, now it's just you out here, Clay. Like now, you don't got to worry about Steph. Doesn't have to move to the side. You don't have to worry about getting Steph his touches too. It's just you out here. And for the last, I'd say, week and a half, two weeks of the season, Clay would play a game that he'd sit, play two games, and he sit, play a game and he sit. And listen to the games that he played. He'd go for thirty-seven then against the Hawks. Next game, twenty-five against the Wizards. Sit. Came back. Bad game against the Suns. Only thirteen. Next game against the Jazz. Thirty-six points. Sits against the Kings. Comes back against the Lakers, 33 points. Sits against the Spurs. Comes back against the Pelicans, 41 points. So Clay in a rhythm. Clay Clay got his swagger back a little bit. And now that he he has that, Steph had it in the beginning of the season, I think they come back and and they can pick it up where he left off because I don't think Clay would be able to have these kind of scoring outputs. I mean, he's putting up like in these games 25 to 30 shots a game. He doesn't have that if Steph is there. He got to get it all out. He got to get his shot back. And I think it could get scary. And I again, I hope I'm wrong because then we <laughs> might have to see them. But I do think they have all the potential to get right back on the saddle and pick it up where they left off. I'll say this. I think they're going to play well. Um, I take this question as, do I think they can make a championship run? I don't think the Warriors can this year. And even Mm-mm. if I'm wrong about my earlier prediction where I think Memphis is probably going to eke them out in the second round, which is might end up being the best series of the entire playoffs, by the way. I don't even think past that they're going to make a championship run. I can, I can definitely. Yeah, I just don't. I just, uh, for me, it's, I don't think they hit where they, where their possible peak is just because of health and time. Okay. 
I may have done a, done them a disservice by my wording. I said the warriors of old, and, and <laughs> maybe I should have said resemblance of the warriors of old. But when I look at what we're holding, what we're folding, 92 offensive rating, 85 defensive rating. We, we can't see them getting to that. We can't see them having that in the playoffs. That may not get them a championship. We can't see them having that kind of rating, though. Well, I mean, a 92 de- offensive rating is not very good. Um, 85 is, defensive rating is great. 85 defensive rating is great. What this is telling me is the pace that the Warriors were playing at was just so slow. And when 11 these guys, minutes, that's yeah, when these guys are on the court. <laughs> that's <laughs> less than a quarter of basketball. <laughs> talking about talking about making a mountain out of a molehill. You man. could but you could got- take an 11 minute stretch from Steph Curry's career and say he's the worst shooter of all time. Like, I'm sure there's which a three shot like O of eight from three, which would just be ludicrous. But I'm, I, I got it. Like I've, I've experienced losing to the Warriors in the playoffs too much to not like if them three are on the court is like I'm, I might you know it's like cross the other side of the street. Like if them three are on the hold, court, hold your like, girl a little tighter. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hold your kids' hands. Like it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna get crazy. All right, another guy who terrorized my team is the last guy we're gonna look at. No, I got I got, a, I got a quick audible at the end that I'm going to throw in. Oh, after Giannis? Yeah. Oh, okay. It. All right. All right. So we're going to go get Giannis that Matt's got his audible. But for Giannis, we'll look at the trends of what he's done in fourth quarter minutes this season. 528 points in 526 fourth quarter minutes. One of only five players since the 96-97 season to average at least one point per fourth quarter minute. He also became the first player in 25 years to average at least eight points on 55% shooting in the fourth quarter during a regular season. Let me sum that all up to say that when the numbers hit four on the scoreboard, Giannis becomes maybe the most unstoppable player the game has seen. And we, ex- I experienced it, and everybody saw it in the finals last year. Holding the stats or folding the stats, dear goodness, if he can do it again. Hold. He's so good. Easy He's hold. He's so good. He, the easiest hold. It's, it's so disheartening He's, when you're rooting for the team that's playing against him in a close fourth quarter. Up, because, up, yeah. you understand <laughs> yeah. that there's – like I can't, we can't do it. Like you can't There's blame it. You, can you can't blame people. It's Mm-mm. just like, it's just like, what? Yeah. It's just yeah. it's it's brutal. It he, is it is inevitable. It is he, what Thanos he, says he is. Inevitable. And he, the the scariest thing is that he has full confidence. Before last finals, you could say maybe he. It's a little unsure because of playoff moments before. No, he's not scared of anything. He's got no pressure mm. on him anymore. He delivered a pre- championship to Milwaukee. Like they'll love him forever, even if he stinks for the next five years. Mm-hmm. Like he's got no pressure under him, and he's going to take advantage of that and just destroy every person yeah. that's in his way. <laughs> and, and that's enough for the Bucks to win is another argument, but he right. will he will continue. He'll to be, be fine. Dominant yeah, he'll be fine. And don't let him get a depoy this year and, and add another infinity stone to the gauntlet and just become that much more unstoppable. But yeah, I mean, we it's, it's, it's undeniable once Giannis gets in those moments, in those spaces. And I, I think you're right. I think he's operating with just a level of confidence, a level of poise this year. I didn't see anything for the Bucks that needed to chase the one seed. Like a lot of people want to chase the one seed, want to get to the top, want to get home court throughout. And it, if they got it, it was nice, but I think the Bucks know I, we can win in any arena. We've shown we can win in any arena, no matter where it is. So I don't, I don't want to stress myself and chase this one seed. We're going to be good. But Kyle, you're, it's an easy hold for you too, right? Yeah, easy hold. I think Kevin Durant's the best scorer in the league. I think Joel Embiid's the most dominant player in the league. 
I think Giannis is two in both of those categories, and he's the best defensive player in the league. I really think Giannis overall is the best player in the world right now at the game of basketball. He's the one I could trust. He's the N of, or NBA defending champ. So I think overall, you take all this together, and we look at these big moments now that he had in the playoff run last year, the block, uh, scoring down the stretch. 100% I'm holding all of these stats, and it's not just in the fourth quarter. It's really this entire playoffs. Giannis is one of the only players in the East that I think I can trust fully. Yeah, it's 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 whenever he wants to. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, two two MVPs, a Defensive Player of the Year, a Finals MVP, a Comeback Player of the Year, All Star Game MVP, and he's only twenty six. Turn we could turn twenty seven this year. Yeah, it's 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 certain spaces. That man is in certain spaces. All right, Stat Matt, you're Omaha. So the last two years, Joel Embiid has been the best center in the NBA has seen since Shaq. There's been one team that's played him really well, and that is the Toronto Raptors. Nick mm. Nurse has found the Kool-Aid, and mm. I, people will say, oh, Marcus Gasol. <laughs> oh, Marcus Gasol hasn't. Marcus Gasol hasn't been there the last two years. Uh, over those six games against Toronto the last two years, Embiid has a 52% true shooting percentage and is averaging just 24 points per game compared to his 30 over the past two years, and his 62% true shooting for the um, re- other regular season games. Hold the stats or fold the stats? Will Embiid redeem himself against Toronto, or will those struggles continue? So folding would mean he redeems himself, right? Folding would mean yep. he goes against those bad stats. I'm folding them. You folding yeah. them, Kyle? You're oh, 100% them? I'm folding them. I mean, first of all, when I look at this Raptors team, I don't think anyone on this team could stop him. Like, who are you going to yeah, throw who, in? Ken Birch? Ken Birch, Boucher, Siakam Candy's way too small. And Embiid yeah. is now coming to this playoffs. It's I like that the, all this media stuff's coming out that everyone's voting for Jokic. Because now Embiid doesn't have to wait off. to hear Jokic's name for MVP. Now it's like, oh, no, I'm pissed now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, piss him off. Oh, I'm going off now. <laughs> So, I mean, I really, <laughs> I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> the O's killed me, So I did that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to come in and just dominate this series. I think the Raptors can give, as a team, can give some struggles to the Sixers. This game mm-hmm. goes six. Even if this game goes seven, it won't surprise me. But I think Embiid's going to be a constant throughout and pretty much dominate whoever's in front of him offensively. Yeah. yeah the past Raptors series and, the, and most of the past Raptors games have been Really him playing four and five on offense with this, you know, ankle weight of Ben Simmons next to him trying to, you know, pull some kind of weight. He don't got that this year. He got a different <laughs> team. He got a different running mate. And hopefully that different running mate, you know, helps it a lot. More, and, I, and I think it will. I'm, I'm folding these stats. Um, I think Nick but, Nurse right. I think Nick Nurse has a really good strategy to defend Embiid. But I think Embiid, Embiid won't be dominant. For him in the series, he'll just be regular and bead, which will be enough, is my prediction. Right. All right. Really quick. Let's wrap it up. Give me one one sentence answer as to why. Which playoff series are you most excited for going into the playoffs? Kyle, what you, what you looking for? The cop-out answer, so I'm just going to save everyone this, is going to be Celtics-Nets. Of course, it's Celtics-Nets. Right. Um, but to me, I'm really interested in this Timberwolves-Grizzlies. I, I love that the Timberwolves are getting the heat. We're talking about the top of the show. The Grizzlies team I'm high on. Anthony Edwards, I still defend to this day, should have been the number one pick. He was number one on my big board. You can keep that LaMelo stuff. I think Edwards is a stud. And watching these two young, up-and-coming teams go against each other in the first round is just going to be really exciting basketball, even if it doesn't make for a great series. If the Grizzlies 4-1 them, 4-0 them, 
I think we're still going to get some really fun basketball out of this series, so I'm excited to watch it. Matt, what yeah, you looking forward to? Top answer, Celtics Nets. I hate both teams. It'll be funny when one of them loses in the first round. <laughs> That's, That's true. Cool. Yeah. Um, hold on to your seats tight. I'm looking at the Sixers-Raptors series. I, I really am. I mean, we talked all about all the reasons why Joel Embiid can and should dominate the Raptors, but Matt pointed out all the reasons why the Raptors can and have all the ability to make this a very tight series. I think this is tighter than most Sixers fans are anticipating. Maybe you're hoping for. I think it's more. No, I'm not on a scale. I think it's more. Of how worried am I? I'm a six. Like I'm not sleeping like easily about the Raptors. You only a six. You only a six. Six out of ten worry. So, like one, no worry at all. Ten, absolute panic. Can't sleep at night. Yeah, yeah, can't yeah sleep at night. six. So little more. It might, it might be six. It might be six five. It might be a six seven <laughs> six seven five. Something like that. Because I, huh? It's tough. It's good. It's gonna be a tough series. But that's the one. I'm looking forward to the most. Anyway, playoff start this coming Saturday. We're all going to be anticipating it. It's going to be a great time. NBA playoffs are back. But that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. We can get some shots up at the buzzer, as we always do. Who's got a shot at the buzzer real quick? I got one. Just a message Good. because, and even I got involved yesterday. It was just like a quick tweet because I didn't understand it. When this NBA, when Nikola Jokic gets swept in the first round, Sixers fans, <laughs> we don't need to let him have it. We we understand Ooh. what's going on now. We understand what's going on now. He's might get swept by the Warriors. They're not winning the rounds. Let's wait till we make a little run. And even if we don't, True. I think True. this is the last season that we're going to see an MVP get it straight off the of numbers. Because that's what happened this season. He got it off the yeah. of numbers. He's only the third six-seed MVP of all time. The other one was Russell Westbrook, straight off the of numbers. Mm-hmm. But that was a historic triple-double average season. And the other one was Moses Malone in like 1985. So I think mm-hmm. this will be the last time this happens. It hurts, but let him get swept. Just let him get swept and let's go Malone make a playoff. Malone in '82, run. and it was the year after he led a 41 team to the finals, and then he averaged 30. So Moses '82. So they're, they're rewarding wrong, him. Yeah. So it's it's, so it's almost yeah. you know, rewarding him for the for the year before. I like the peaceful approach. I also like the calm approach of like before we get on him, let's win. Like if yeah, they, let's win. Yeah, let's win first before we start throwing stones over there. But I, I like the mentality. It's not Jokic's fault. Like I, like, I don't want to dislike Jokic. Well, I don't dislike against, Jokic. It's the people on Twitter. It's yeah, yeah. Nothing against Jokic. <laughs> and, and, like, like nothing against him. And, and we are a fact-based and stat-based show. We know that there's spots and there's places for advanced analytics. It should never take over what you're seeing in a basketball game. It should never, ever. And I think all real hoopers and all real NBA invested people know who the MVP is. And I'm sure we'll be more than happy to carry this narrative forward. So my grandchildren know, hey, look in the, in the record books. You're going to see 2022. There's a certain name. It really should say Joel Embiid. We, we yeah. know this. I'd be, ha- I, dude, I'd be more fine with Giannis. I think in my mind, I think Jokic, had, more fun. I think Jokic had the fourth best season in the league. Embiid, Giannis, and Kevin Durant. Durant missed too many games, but when he was on the court. But I, I agree yeah. with you. In terms of MVP voting, you can't have Durant in there. To me, to be an MVP or to be a six-seed MVP, you have to like average a triple-double or you know lead a 40-win team to the finals and average 30 in the next year. Like that's You have to do stuff like that. And to go back-to-back, back, you have to up what you did last year. Yeah, and there's, there's a reason all the actual NBA players – are telling you who they think. The people that go against these guys night in, night out, practice the game of basketball, or in the league, play the game of basketball, and know more about the game of basketball than any of these media guys who vote for MVP, they're all saying one name right no. now. It's Joel Embiid. Also, 
the, the 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 votes are public, and you can you can see I think like thirteen of of the votes so far, which is yeah. you know, and there's a, a couple hundred. I mean, there's a couple right. hundred, but it, it's it's going Jokic's it's way. It's going it's going Jokic's way. Just look at the pattern of who's voting for Jokic, who's voting for Embiid, because the guys in voting for Embiid are like Kendrick Perkins and Jalen Rose and Stephen A. Smith, like the guys who played the game or out of the game. Like the, those are the guys. Voting you didn't need for that there was Stephen A. in that group, but I hear you. Stephen, oh, Stephen A. was a problem in college, though. Before he, but you know, read up about Stephen A. in college. He was a problem before he hurt his knee. Stop, Matt. You got a, a shot for his other buzzer. So Clayton Kershaw has done everything he can possibly do as a pitcher in the game of baseball to be dominant. He's won a World Series. He's won multiple Cy Youngs. He's thrown multiple no hitters. The one thing he hasn't done is throw a perfect game. Yeah, this is tough. Today he was perfect through seven innings, and they pulled him. He had only thrown what? eighty pitches, and they pulled him. You gotta let keep him in the game, Dave Roberts. Why? But why? Why history. did they pull him? Why did they pull him? I haven't read a why? good answer yet because yeah, it's early in the season. Is well, coming? He's also coming back from a little injury, what's right? Funny is back from a for a month. Guess it, it, it happens. Game. It happened last season too, at the beginning of the season. It wasn't a perfect like game, innings, and it wasn't with Kershaw, but it was through six. It was a no hitter, and yeah. they pulled the guy. Perfect games are so much more rare than yeah, no hitters. Plus, yeah. hundreds and thousands of no hitters, and hundreds of no hitters. There's yeah, twenty three. Uh, yeah, something like that. My, uh, the funny thing is, my coworker, uh, he he looks at me today. He's like, "Yo, Kershaw is perfect through seven. Now I was like, "Oh, they're probably gonna pull him." You know, he's like, "Oh, you can't pull him." I was like, "Just wait." I saw it last year. This is this is what oh. happens early in the season. But I agree. I didn't even know his pitch count when I said that. If I knew he was only at 80 pitches, I would be like, ah, give him a shot. Eight, regardless of how many strikeouts or how many hits or walks you've given up, to, to only have 80 pitches through seven innings is great in itself. Like yeah. he got also, so nobody gets on base. You don't throw a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like, still, he got so much honestly, miles in that arm. kind of impressive. And, 80. and, and. Dave Roberts, who are you to decide this fate for Clayton Kershaw? Clayton Kershaw is one of those pitchers in the MLB that decides what, if he's going that well, I decide when I'm coming out the game. You go and ask Clayton Kershaw. I do agree hey, with do you, that. Hey, yeah. how do you feel? Because you, you've you earned this right to see this game through. If you're okay turning this to pen, your arm's not feeling good, I'll pull you. But how do you feel, Cy Young award-winning pitcher, World Series champion, one of the best pitchers we've seen in the modern era of baseball? How do you feel right now? Because yeah. my guess is... Through seven with only eighty pitches, I feel immaculate, man. I'm I'm trying to go out there and finish. He, dude, he does, what they, I were, they were showing those stats all matches weekend. Him, Matthew Stafford, and Scotty Scheffler all went to the same high school. Well, Stafford just got his uh Super Bowl. Scotty Scheffler mm-hmm. is one of the masters. Let Kershaw get his perfect game. Let, let him have it. Yeah, let him let him have it. All right. My shot at the buzzer. You guys remember last week when I couldn't remember my at the buzzer? Yeah, well, I funny. remembered it and I said <laughs> on on camera I'm gonna remember it as soon as we get off. And how long did it take me? Like a minute to remember it as seconds. soon as we got off camera? Yeah, as soon as we got off camera. I've literally recited it to myself every day since to make sure I didn't forget it. And of course I didn't forget it. Um so it, it, it almost happened again. This has been a weird year for sports journalists. And I say a, a weird year because we've seen the most credible guys in the sports world cite just misinformation, just completely get information wrong. And the latest example happened last week when Stephen A. Smith got ball sacked. Like they were, I think everyone has gotten ball sacked at this point. Ball sack sports is, is taken over Twitter and social media with literally just purposely putting out false reports and false, but they make it look so realistic 
that you're lying if you said you haven't gotten, even if it's just in, you know, behind closed doors, you've probably gotten got by one of these tweets. And Stephen A. Smith was reading the headlines and went on first take and said that Kyrie Irving or James Harden went up to Kevin Durant and called him washed before he left, like before he got traded from, from the Brooklyn Nets. And that's just wrong. That never happened in the locker room. Like that's just a, a bad statement. So here's what I'll say to all of my peers, all of our peers in the sports media, sports journalism world, check your sources, sources, because this is a weird time to disseminate information. You have to make sure who you're getting it from is telling the truth. Like it's, it's, I think we're, we're starting to get to an era of sports journalism where being first isn't the best thing anymore. Like you got to be right because we've seen guys like Adam Schefter be first and be terribly wrong. Terribly wrong when it came to the Tom Brady retirement. Terribly wrong when it came to the Aaron Rodgers situation. Um, just didn't choose his words right at all when it came to talking about what happened with Dwayne Haskins. Just because he wanted to be first. Woj almost got hit this past weekend. Talking about, I forget what he reported, but it came out that the, the, the details of that may not have been all the way true. Uh, Woj's never wrong. I, I would love to, I would love to say <laughs> it. I would love to say it. He almost got got. He almost got got. And then you have a guy like Stephen A. Smith who's been questioned before about are the details of his reports right and till now has knocked him down. He said KD was going to the Warriors in 2016. No one believed him. He went. He said Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao were going to fight. No one believed him. They fought, and he broke both of those. But, you know, you can't always just read the tweets, can't always just read the headlines because ball sack be getting people, man. I'm a big ball sack be, I'm a big ball sack sports fan. I, I used to, I used to not like them, but I, there's a space for them. I think the parody is awesome. You just got to – now that they're known, I think it's awesome. Like, I yeah. think when and – and now that they're not trying to portray that they're real, I think when they first came out, they were copying the ESPN graphics. They were copying the Bleacher Report graphics. They were trying to fool people. I think and it's so, – like, I didn't like that. And now they've got their own graphics. They got their own thing going on. They're not, yeah. they, you can't really fool people anymore unless you're Stephen A. Smith. It's a meme just, now. It's a you know, bit. They're playing into the exactly. bit. Exactly. And it's They're not harmful. Now. Honestly, the social media world in general, and this has been a big topic just in the world, there's an issue of misinformation here and there just yeah. in all news. But this is not harmful at all. This is a straight, this is for the bit, for the meme. I'm a big fan yeah. of it. And now that I think I'm a fan of it, now that it's known that this is a bit, now that they're public that it's a bit. I do, I do think when they first came out, man, they were trying to fool people. They wanted you to think this was a real bleacher. Report. That was still and hilarious. I, like guys well, like us who know sports, it was still just hilarious just, watching people fall it, for it. We knew sports, but I can't. I, I won't. I I'll be honest when I say that. At first, when they would put some of these tweets up, put some of these reports up, I click on it and be like, "What? Like what?" How is this right? And then I'd start reading through and I'd be like, oh, it's this ball sack sports page again and realize it's wrong. But it would get like just the um, I know what a bleacher report quote graphic looks like. I know what an ESPN enough. Like, I know what that looks like. So when you're scrolling real quick and you see you don't always look to the top left corner to see who's tweeting it. You just look at the graphic and you're like, wow, James Harden really went and punched Kevin Durant in the face in the locker room and said he's washed. Like, that's really crazy. That is funny, bro. <laughs> like, and if you were like, I, I encourage all of our listeners and our viewers, if you haven't seen a clip, go and watch the clip because they really had Stephen A's whole behind out on national TV. Like, going into saying how, if you're Kevin Durant, how could you allow this to happen? If you're Steve Nash, how could you allow this to go on in your locker room? And he's literally carrying on just false information that just never happened. It's it's ridiculous. I'll wrap this up by saying, check your sources, sources out there, sports media, because it's, 
it's an evil world we live in right now. But that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. It was a great one. We're gearing up for this year's playoff. Shout out to our guy, Jake Galley, out there. It's called a Broadway show in New York. So, you know, was traveling back, had to take the day off. We hope he enjoyed his day in New York. Shout out to Up on Game Network, LeVar Erickson, Plexico Burst, TJ Hushman's out, and everyone over there. And then also shout out to my guys, Kyle Sirik and Stat Matt Robinson. I'm James Jackson, and this has been The Facts. Straight up. Deep dive coming out soon.